Sandra and I have just celebrated uh, our 40th year in the Lord. Um, we were baptised on December the 5th, and uh, uh, sorry, witnessed to on December the 5th, I was. We, we came to, on the 6th, we came to a meeting, uh, both baptised, uh, Sandra received in the baptism tank, and on the following morning in the Botanical Gardens in Adelaide, I received the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, we were at camp. And uh, what I want to talk tonight about is my our testimony of, of that, of what happened in that beginning. Uh, I don't want to, uh, there's nothing of us in it really, but I, I want to wind up back a bit just to, to set the scene, um, a bit of um, our calling really to Adelaide. Um, is it is really amazing, and there's going to be some scriptures amongst this this text. Just so I get your Bibles ready. Um, the um, we were on the central coast of New South Wales, uh, north of Gosford. I was a manager for a big national building company, and um, I was also a chronic asthmatic. I'd had it for thirty years, and uh, I used to drink heavily. I used to work um, eight days a week. Uh, I had two children uh, and a very unhappy wife because she wanted some support. One way, one of our children was 11 months, the other one was two and a half, and my wife never saw me. Uh, she did. She didn't know what day of the week he was going to see me, so no wonder our marriage wasn't going well. Anyway, I lost my job. Now, while you were there, we'd had 25 acres in Bathurst, which uh, we couldn't, there wasn't enough work for me, so we kept the house in Bathurst, and... Uh, it was tenanted, but we were subsidising the rent. So then, uh, uh, because I was with this national building company, I got some cheap finance and we bought a house in Wyong. And I was doing that up, and I'd sent, spent all our savings in doing the house up. The idea was to sell it at a profit. The trouble is, at that time, there was a big depression, <laughs> and there was no work around, so there was no escalation in price. And... Uh, and, and then move back to our idyllic life in the country, away from the rat race, and bring up our children there. That was, that was the plan. But uh, anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But anyway, I lost my job. I was out of work for three months. And, uh, and uh, we didn't have any savings. I found myself in the dole queue, which was very humbling. And I, Sandra saw this advert for a quantity surveyor in Adelaide. I tried everywhere else to get, that was my profession, I couldn't get a job anywhere. And uh, I said, hang on, we got the house in <laughs> Bathurst, we've got a house here, and you want me to go to Adelaide? She said, well, if we don't get the job somewhere, you're going to starve to death, because we didn't have any money in the bank. So I wrote off this very quick application, because uh, I thought she was nagging me. Well, <laughs> she probably was, but she, quite deservedly so. Um, and uh, I got a telegram back in those days to say, uh, ring me about the job. So I rang him and he said, you've got the job, when can you start? Wow, well, no interview. And it was with prospects of being a partner. And I wasn't a really brilliant in my profession. I thought, wow. Well. So I said, yes. I said, and it was permanent. I said, well, I'll come down to Adelaide for three months. You can see what I'm like. I'll see what you're like. And... Uh, and um, uh, and the plan was I'll go down, re-get my finances back, work every hour that God sends, well, whoever it was up there sends, and uh, and then I'll carry on with my master plan to, to finish the house and move back to Bathurst. That was the plan. So we flew down 
within a week or something, with the two children on the plane, and I turned to Sandra on the plane, I always remember it, say, why on earth are we going down to Adelaide? There must be some reason we're going down to Adelaide. So we come down to Adelaide, and we're put up for a Glenelg, and then we're looking uh, for a place to stay, and this this house came up, a large house to rent, which was op opposite the Botanical Gardens. It was a big, I won't go into too much detail. I ran around the block, and I saw a park. Sandra didn't know anyone. She hadn't brought any clothes with her because she was really upset with me. And in fact, her mother was the one that made her come with me because she was going to take the opportunity to just take the kids and go her own way, I think. But anyway, she went round and uh, there was a woman sitting in on the park, Sister Bethory, and uh, Sandra said, what are you reading? And she was reading the Bible. And uh, Sandra asked lots of questions and never got any answers, and Beth said, read this. You got another question? Read this. Read this. Anyway, she went to a meeting, came back, told me, said she was going to be baptised on the Sunday. I said, that's great. Beth and, Beth and Les came up to see me. Uh, they witnessed to me. Um, I said, thanks very much, but I've got to work tomorrow, because I had dollars in my head. And in the morning, I just opened my eyes, and I thought, I've got to get to that meeting. So I got to the meeting with Sandra. We were both baptised. Sandra received... I spent a sleepless night. I received the Holy Spirit in the Botanical Gardens the next day. I was healed of my asthma. I was healed of my drinking. My marriage was healed. And it was just, it was refreshed. It was just amazing. You know, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I knew there was a God. In fact, a few weeks, when we were in Glenelg, I was walking along the beach at the, and really enjoying the, the, the ocean and the day and everything. And, and uh, I sort of said, wouldn't you think the God who made all this would be able to contact you? Well, within a few days he did. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I received the Holy Spirit. So um, rolled it on a few. Uh, that was December the 6th or something. Within a couple of weeks, the saints were exhorting us to, uh, uh, or straight away, I mean, it wouldn't happen today, but Beth and Les and their three boys, us two and our two children went in one car to the meeting. <laughs> and I didn't have a car, and I wasn't expecting to have a car for six months. And we never missed a meeting. There was a faithful brother who came, and he picked us all up every meeting, every, every prayer and fast. There was always somebody taking us to the house meeting and bringing us back home again. It was amazing. That's part of the testimony I want to give. But uh, anyway, we, uh, they were exhorting us to come to camp. And uh, Sandra was thinking, oh, they'll give us a grotty old caravan. Um, there'll be flies and mosquitoes. It'll be muddy. The kids will be crawling around in the dirt. I don't want to go. And I said, no, but they were exhorting us, you know. So we, we came down to camp. They gave us the Breton... Sally and Ian steered the mother. We got the mother's caravan, brand new. Um, there was no flies, no mosquitoes, <laughs> and uh, no mud. And the kids just loved the people, of course. And we had the ch people knocking on the door saying, can we take your children for a walk, please? And the parents didn't know. They were just older kids. And they were just taking them around the park, you know, walking them. So... Um, <sighs> So when I, when we came, when I came into the camp, first of all, I knew I'd found God. Uh, I knew I'd come home. I had the sense of coming home. 
I knew I'd been healed, our marriage had been healed, and I didn't know much else when we got to camp. And, uh, and in the three weeks we'd been since we got baptized and spirit filled before the camp, I'd uh, seen the healing of the Lord and the provision of the Lord uh, in many ways. Uh, and I, I'd never read the Bible and I was speed reading the New Testament. I was just devouring it and just going through. Uh, I wasn't taking much in, but it's amazing. <laughs> because what's in this book, you know? And, uh, we didn't, um, uh, so every available moment. Um, and I've gone through that bit. Uh, but <clears throat> we weren't flush financially. Um, so that was another obstacle to us coming, but that was handled and, uh, um, what amazed us was the hospitality of the people, the friendliness of the brothers and sisters, just welcoming them as with open arms and helping with the children. And we got to First Peter chapter four, if you would please. And I thought this very appropriate. Forty years later, I gave him a testimony on the stage at that first camp because I walked through that door and Pastor Jock said, "Oh, I believe you're the ones who have just come to the Lord, aren't you?" And then he stood up here and said, uh, oh, is that the Penningtons around anywhere to give a testimony? And I, I'd never spoken to this, this amount of people in public before, and Sandra was shaking. She stood at the back of the room. And um, uh, I can always remember getting, So here I am, 40 years later, still giving a testimony, you know. For verse 7, but, uh, but the end of all things is at hand. Uh, be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. That's a good message today, isn't it? You know, um, be sober, be controlled, be balanced, be settled. Uh, watch unto prayer. Don't neglect your prayer life. Now, there's never a time to neglect your prayer life, but with the way the world's going, we want to be topped up. And above all things, have fervent charity amongst yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins in verse 8. One other version says, above all, continue to love one another fervently. For love throws a veil over a multitude of faults. And that's so true, isn't it? You know, uh, in the world, there's a lot of backbiting and the people accusing each other. And here we can have a dispute with our brothers and sisters. But love overrides that, or should override that. Forgiveness should reign, that's what it's saying, you know. Another version says, Above all things have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offences of other. So we're not allowed, we've got no excuse to get our neck in a knot. Right. Okay. Um, verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Uh, again, another version says, practice hospitality to one another, those of the household of faith. This is a great opportunity to practice hospitality, not to just the people you normally knock around with and sit next to in the meetings. There's enough of us here, there's a lot more coming, but if the core of us really practice hospitality, it will spread. Open your doors. Invite people to coffee. Go and uh, be hospitable. Share yourself around, you know. Um, practice hospitality to you, not those of the household of faith. Be hospitable. Be a lover of strangers with brotherly affection for the unknown guests, the foreigners, the poor, 
and all others who come your way who have Christ's body. So we don't know a lot of these people, but let's welcome them with open arms. And all the people said, do your bit. Hospitality starts with us. You know, um, um, come your way. And in each instance, do it ungrudgingly, cordially, graciously, without complaining, but as representing the Lord. You know, so everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. Do what the Lord would do. Welcome people without respect of persons. Um, go on to verse 10. Uh, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Uh, Weymouth says, whatever be the gifts which each has received, you must use them for one another's benefit as good stewards of God's many side kindness. You know, when you give your testimony and you relate what the Lord has done for you, it's a win-win situation. It's good for me to remind myself of what the Lord has done for us, and it's good for the person who's receiving it to be built up in the faith. You know, we've received many gifts from the Lord, gifts of healing and, and understanding and stuff, and we can share it. We've all got a testimony. You know, we, we shouldn't... We shouldn't um, uh, uh, um, take lightly the value of being hospitable to a new person. It really makes an impact. It made an impact on us. It settled us. It grounded us. We saw some, I knew I'd received the Holy Spirit. I knew I'd come home. But with a thousand people here talking to each other, I knew it worked. I'd seen it work. You know, everyone was rejoicing. There was no arguments. You know, we were queuing up for everything. We were queuing up for the milk. We were queuing up for the showers. And as you were queuing up, there was just testimony and, hello, brother, how are you? And, you know, when did you come to the Lord? And, you know, what's the Lord done for you? And and it was, and we just thought, this is like a, a world we never knew existed, you know. Now, 40 years down the track, we, we've become accustomed to it. But there are new ones in our midst. And there are people from another fellowship who are, are coming into our fellowship. Well, it's the one fellowship, isn't it? We're all spirit-filled, but we all need welcoming in. We all need, they're all, we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know. Um, it's gone blank on me. Hang on. What's it done? Uh, here we are, back again. Done. Hang on. What's it done? Oh. Ah! It's gone. <laughs> it's like my mind, it went blank for a minute. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, there was lots of laughter. The joy of the Lord was there. There's lots of testimonies. There's lots of invites back to supper. There's lots of encouragements as well. and Because and, uh, we were fairly penniless and the Lord has given us a testimony of how the Lord provided. Lots of patience shown by the brethren, you know, because you say some silly things when you come to the Lord and people just gloss over it and get on, you know. And and, and, uh, and we just realised also it was a safe haven for the children, that they could run around free. In the world, you're always watching your kids, look at the kids, look at the kids. By the way, parents, that doesn't give you a licence to just fellowship, forget where your kids are. All I'm saying is when they're reasonable distance, we, we weren't worried about our kids, you know. And... Um, uh, the ministry was actually amazing. Um, it's like the Lord was reading our mind. I don't know if anyone has ever experienced that. In verse 11 it says here, If any man speak, 
Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. You know, people who are uh, anointed by the Lord, and uh, I believe that the, the talks are anointed, and the ministry has been amazing, you know, uh, over the years. Um, the items were unbelievable, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Some of the skits were really unbelievable, but um, I don't know whether we've got any better, but the visitors will tell us. It's better than we could imagine, really. When you, we were, One of the comments we made was, it's a, a small group of people, really, but the amount of talent that the Lord had put in the fellowship was, was amazing. He knitted it all together, you know. Um, we stayed for the whole camp. We were reluctant to we stayed for the whole camp. Uh, and uh, uh, when I got back, I, I remember our eldest daughter, two and a half, she was at the dummy stage, the pacifier stage, and she lost it, and she wouldn't go to sleep without it. So we arrived back late on a Sunday night in Adelaide, and, uh, and we're thinking, she's not going to go to sleep. I better go and get one. Chemist was shut. Where do I go? I go into the city, because we lived in Hindley, uh, in, um, uh, near the Botanical Gardens. So I drive in, go into Hindley Street, an all-night chemist in Hindley Street, after being at camp for two weeks, you know. And it was like visiting Sodom and Gomorrah after being in heaven, you know. It was... The contrast was, it like hit you, you know. And I'd never been affected by those things before. But boy, it just showed me how the Lord had pulled us out of the world, you know. Um, uh, I raced home, you know. Um, as we left uh, the camp, we both agreed that we'd give all that we had to follow the Lord because we'd seen it work. That's the effect of camp. That's the effect of fellowship. I'm sure people here had had similar things and... We always say you grow three months in a week at camp because it's solid fellowship, you know, and it's solid word, and your mind doesn't isn't distracted by other stuff. So these times at camp are really valuable, you know. And I, I had a Bible and I ordered a Bible cover from Pastor Jock, and Pastor Jock uh, said to me, "What scripture do you want on your Bible cover?" So First Corinthians fifteen, and he put it on my Bible cover. Um, and we all know it. Verse 58. It says, therefore my beloved... Sandra's got one as well, not, not the same scripture. She's got a, another scripture. She does have a free will choice in the house now. She didn't used to before, really. Um, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. And that's been something I've tried to live up to. Steadfast, yes. Unmovable, yes. I'm not going anywhere else because I know, it was as clear as the nose on your face, that the Lord called us to this fellowship. We worked in Gosford. I worked probably 200 metres from the Revival Fellowship in Gosford. My job was to go around all the real estate agents and sell land packages to them, and there was a Greenpoint real estate, and I couldn't get there. I tried several times to get there. And who worked there? Pastor Rex Hazy. I was not meant to come, we were not meant to come to the Lord in Gosford. We come down, uh, and then we got this transfer to Adelaide, miraculous transfer to Adelaide. So, about calling, I'm not going to go anywhere else. Why would you argue with the Lord? You know? <laughs> and it's proved to be right, you know. So, steadfast, unmovable, 
That bit always abounding in the work of the Lord is a challenge for every one of us. We have our peaks and we have our troughs. But the scripture is there to live up to. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, and if you think back to your life and all the, all the efforts you've done, they really are vain. They're not really, they don't do anything for the kingdom of God and they're only mortal and they're only temporal. But anything you do for the Lord is eternal. You know, it has an eternal benefit for, for the people around you, for the people you witness to, um, for you yourself. Um, it's, um, uh, I had a very vain life before I came to the Lord and I was looking for a, something that was meaningful. And, uh, and the Lord gave me something really meaningful. He gave me the answers, uh, for every man, you know. Um, first Philippians chapter four, very common scripture. I just want to, uh, four verse 19. Um, uh, we know it, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, we, we, um, like many people, the Lord just really provided. It's, it seems to me that when you've got the greatest need, um, the Lord has more space to do something for you. When you start to become fairly, um, um, what would I say, solvent and uh, a bit of extra money, well, you just you reduce the opportunity. You know, it's very hard for a rich man to come to the kingdom of God because he trusts in his riches, you know. When, you, when you're penniless, you trust in the Lord. <laughs> And it's a really, uh, and we saw the Lord just provide amazingly. I can tell people more detail. I haven't got time tonight. Colossians chapter one, and uh, uh, and verse twenty-one over the page. Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-one. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. And that certainly applied to me in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his size. It's fantastic scripture, isn't it? We don't have to worry about guilt and condemnation. There's no condemnation in the Lord. And if you, if, big if, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, this coming to this camp grounded and settled us. It was the start of, it was the foundation for our walk in the Lord. It was the first block, a major block. I mean, it's always the word of God. But how important is it that each one of us, it, the people who were there, I remember sitting down outside Tom and Jan Gross's van listen, with a ring of people just to, listening to testimony after testimony, you know. And, you know, how powerful is that? How good is that? You know, that's what it's all about. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel you know, over 40 years I've seen people come and people go. I've seen people moved away from the gospel, which you have heard. But I've never seen anyone prosper who did. The people who've remained have prospered spiritually and uh, materially uh, and health-wise, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, I Paul, am, am made a minister. All I can say is 40 years later, the Revival Fellowship hasn't changed one bit, really, in the doctrine side and, uh, and, the, and the love of the brethren side and the care for each other from the day we came to the Lord. 
you know, it, it, it's been, uh, we've been, it's, it, it's still grounded, it's still settled, it's still stable, you know. Ephesians chapter 3, just a couple of scriptures, verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, Love is the chief thing, isn't it? Faith, hope, and charity, that charity is the greatest. The love of the brethren wins people, keeps people, you know, um, people grow in the love of the Lord. They, they put down roots because there's love. They may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth of that. And it brings this revelation, you know, the Lord, because of that, People are given an understanding of it. Um, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You know, it's not a, it's not a, uh, an academic exercise. Sure, there's leading of the Lord and sure there's revelation and sure there's preachers. But it's not about that. It's about each one of us loving our brothers and loving the Lord. You know, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God gets the glory. We don't get the glory. We stay humble. We stay in the Lord. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, just one of the things that uh, I've learnt it says it's, it's one thing to be baptized and spirit-filled. But in verse 14 it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Unfortunately, not every person who is spirit-filled is led by the Spirit of God. They go off down the track to men's imaginations, to compromise, to men's ideas, to false doctrines. They follow men instead of following the word. It happened to us in 95. Many people followed the man instead of following the word. We are better for it, in a sense, because everyone has got our head in the Bible and says, what does the Bible say about this? Which is a great, if you've got a question, that's the place to go, isn't it? What does the Bible say, you know? Uh, they are the sons of God. Um, I... 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is the last scripture I want to go to. I can't emphasize, really the whole point of the talk is um, let's make this a great camp. Let's really extend, get out of our comfort zone, make new contacts in the Lord, share your testimony every day, tell someone about a healing, tell someone about a provision. Don't We can talk about other natural stuff, but there's nothing like iron sharpening iron. There's nothing like as provoking one another to love and good works, you know. It's, I mean, that's when we're the happiest. You know, we don't want to be, we want to put off our garment of, you know, he said he would give us um, the oil of joy, you know, just rejoicing in the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. I had a, my mind went blank again. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. But this I say... He which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. You know, so it comes from the heart giving, not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. Give of your time, 
give you your resources, give what you know, give your testimony. Um, it's the way to grow. What, what goes around comes around. If you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. The windows of heaven will open upon you. There's no end to the Lord's blessing. But it starts with us. You know, some people say, you do this, Lord, and I'll do this. He said, you do it first, and then I'll show you what I can do. You know, you know, and especially in the matter of belief. You do this, Lord, and I'll believe. He says, you believe, and I'll show you what I can do. We, it's our move. It's our move. Those scriptures are our move. Let's celebrate this camp. Mm-hmm.